3: Since the 1950s, Sebring International Raceway has been one of those places that people just gravitate to. And particularly at this time of the year, the spring break holiday falls in perfectly with one of America's biggest sporting events and one of the real jewels in the crown of worldwide motor racing and endurance racing in particular. It's the 67th running of the Bubble One Sebring 12 Hours, presented by Advance Auto Parts. And the weather this week has played its part, as has the addition of the FIA World Endurance Championship racing on the same bill as the IMSA Championship main event this weekend, in making sure that there's barely a square foot available on the infield here. The party atmosphere has been going on since the gates opened on Wednesday, at least for the spectators. But now, on this Friday, things are starting to get just a little bit more serious for the teams and drivers of the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Free practice four coming up before qualifying today. We've got a race with the Michelin Pilot Challenge, which is... A little starter before the 1,000 miles of Sebring. That's for the FIAWAC sixth round. Before all that, the morning stillness will be shattered by the sounds of the engines from the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. And it's all live from Trackside here at Sebring on IMSA Radio. <laughs> the weathertech sports car championship on imza radio well good morning everybody whether you are here at the track or further afield 100.9 fm round the circuit has been belting out all of the action uh, since we came on the air on wednesday and the green flag has just gone into the air. You could probably hear in the background the sounds of racing engines. Is there a better way to start the day? Well, I wish I could bottle the sunrise this morning and send that to you around the world via the vagaries of the internet because it was an absolute belter. There's been a low-lying mist that the sun came up and through. There's certainly parallels with the 24 hours of Le Mans and the region of the... Circuit de la Sarthe. as we come in on race day morning, quite often that little temperature inversion leaves that low-lying mist over the countryside, and it's almost identical this morning, right around the circuit, coming in through the back of the Ullman Straight, To see that over there, it's absolutely picturesque and beautiful. Colleague of ours from the LMS days, Charles Dressing, once described perfectly, I think, the soft colours of the mornings at Le Mans as an impressionist painting. And then, after a moment's thought, said, yes, with maniacs driving through it at nearly 200 miles an hour. And that is certainly the, f- the feel that we're getting at the moment, looking out over the surroundings from our Turn 15 camera with the foliage just pouring through it. It is very much reminiscent of uh, an impression it was painting. With the bright colours of the cars now leaving the pit lane, say good morning to Jeremy Shaw. Uh, felt rather like our alarms had gone off 15 minutes after we went to bed last night, <laughs> however.
4: <laughs> yeah, good morning, though. It's an absolutely perfect morning. Could not be any better from my perspective. And uh, another, we've got, uh, unusually, uh, an, uh, almost an hour and a half, it's an hour and 25 minutes of practice this morning practice four. the timing of this session though eight o'clock in the morning not ter- not, doesn't really have an awful lot of relevance for the race um i don't think it's going to be anything like these conditions at any stage during the race tomorrow i mean we, the race starts at uh, 10 40 a.m which is an hour after this finishes uh, so this time of day it's a sort of crisp and clear and uh, and not much you know it, well there's still r- plenty of rubber laid down on track because the WEC cars were out last night but I'm not sure how much we're really going to learn here now.
3: Shank Racing uh, tweeting this morning, one final morning warm-up before we head into qualifying just before 10 o'clock Eastern time. I I wonder if that's how most of the teams are looking at this, just the last opportunity to give the cars a bit of a shakedown, Jeremy, before they head into that all-important qualifying session which comes up uh, later on today. Well, this morning, it,
4: yeah, yeah. it's
3: not that much time is it? So you don't want to have a whoopsie
4: here this morning. You certainly don't it's it, it, it's only uh, Half an hour after the end of this uh, this one and one hour and 25 minute practice session Qualifying begins for the GT Daytona cars. So uh, there's not much time at all if anything goes wrong now uh, Chances of making out for qualifying particularly for GTD cars are very slim indeed The one team that will be able to learn quite a bit in this session is number 47 That's the precision performance motorsports Lamborghini uh, Don Yount yesterday had a pretty big crash On the exit of Turn 1 A lot of damage done to that car They thrashed all the way through yesterday afternoon And evening to try and repair the car And get it out for night practice last night Weren't quite able to get that done But the car is out again this morning So they are going to look During this session To make up for some of the lost practice time from yesterday
3: Jeremy Shaw alongside me John Handoff in the IMSA Broadcast Centre Which is doubling as the FIA Broadcast Centre as well Thanks to the uh, generosity of Uh, Our IMSA friends, uh, Johnny Palmer, having a bit of a lie in this morning, as is uh, Andy Marriott, Andrew Marriott, who'll be in the pits for that thousand mile race uh, later on today, over on RS3, by the way, live and uninterrupted commentary, free and uh, globally available. uh, This morning, we have our usual A-team down in the pits. We don't have a B-team here at Radio Shore Limited. Everybody's on the A-team. Uh, and Jimmy Howe, good morning and welcome to what is an absolutely gorgeous morning here at Sebring International. Football.
5: Yes, it is gorgeous this morning. I heard you talking about the sunrise. I saw it as we were walking into breakfast this morning, and it's just it's so nice outside um, today. Hopefully it can stick around for most of today and we can enjoy this while we get it tomorrow. The clouds are supposed to move in, so we're going to soak this up for right now. You know, who else is enjoying it right now is Renger Van de Zanda. He qualified in He qualified for the WEC race last night. He said that by 11 o'clock he was already a fast asleep head on the pillow so made quick work of that but then the team at Konica Minolta racing here and IMSA WeatherTech allowed him to sleep in a little bit so he just made his way out to pit lane enjoying his cup of coffee like the rest of us and ready for a wonderful day here at Sebring International Raceway. We're going to go over to Shea Adams, who's down at the other end of pit lane. Yeah, Jamie, down here in the sunshine, as you rightly pointed out, their team's
6: already having little rain clouds over their heads, and one of them is Mazda Teamios, not for any particular reason. They're already thinking about the possibility of rain. They sent Jonathan Balmerito out in the number 55 Mazda to begin the session on rain tires, just so he could scuff them in in case of need for tomorrow's event. We're going to see a lot more of that in morning warm-up tomorrow, but this is one team that is already preparing for the 12 Hours of Sebring tomorrow. They're not even thinking about qualifying which comes up next
3: yeah good point thank you ladies th- there is one thing that could be usefully done here Jeremy is that the drivers can start thinking about how they're going to deal with a low sun whether they need a shade band on the car or on their helmet visor it's entirely at the opposite end of the start finish rate of course but 12 hours away from going down at this stage of the, the day but at, at least we will get some idea of, of what perhaps needs to be done to the car
4: Yeah, uh, uh, that, that,
3: that's, uh, that's, that's
4: true uh, you know, the, the drive on, on race day towards Sunset Bend, Turn 17 and into the hairpin at Turn 7 uh, it is really, really tricky because the sun is almost directly ahead of you as it as it sets into the evening sky so uh that is very very challenging particularly for those drivers who haven't hit, been here before so this gonna give them a, a minimal taste of that certainly uh the, i think the main opportunity for this session now with it being an hour and a half is to do some long runs uh do some pr- pit stop practices as well the driver changes uh most of the teams the majority of teams are running the same driver lineup perhaps with one less driver than at the Rolex 24 at Daytona at the end of January. So they're, they're kind of used to that already, but several other teams have new drivers aboard for this week, so they want to make sure they are perfectly up to speed with driver changes, pit stops, procedures, regulations, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so this is a good opportunity to get used to that, and you know just make sure the car is consistent on a long run, uh, fuel consumption, all those sort of items that are going to be critical for the race.
3: I, it's very seldom, as Jeremy will attest, that I am lost for words. But the, <laughs> <clears throat> the views around Sebring this morning are breathtakingly yeah. beautiful. And the fact that we're at a racing circuit and we've got not one but two of the world's greatest endurance paddocks within a couple of minutes walking distance of each other is just the icing on top of a cake that is already very rich.
4: Yeah. No, it is. It is just fabulous this morning and just incredible to look out from our vantage point here above the pits uh, and see this just sea of tents and <laughs> campers and perhaps a lot of people, it might be a bit early for them uh, now. At just well, eight, eight to ten, you know, ten past eight <laughs> in the morning, but they'll be awake, yeah, pretty, pretty darn shortly. I mean, even Johnny Palmer might, might have been awake if he was here at the track. Uh, he's not yet. Uh, he doesn't need to be here yet. He could be here for this evening for the WEC. Uh, the, just look at watching the Cadillacs here, I mean, Sebring is known for, it, for, how, for how bumpy it is, and you can see the car bucking around to some degree. But what was interesting to me, I uh, was hearing some of the comments of, of, of drivers who, who are driving these cars, pro, particularly the prototypes, in the Tech Sports Car Championship, and doing double duty in the WEC as well. And they all say, particularly the guys driving the Cadillacs, a couple of them, Brendan Hartley, uh, for example. Uh, and, uh, and Renke van der Zander saying that the, the Cadillacs ride the bumps so much better. I mean, they're astonished at the difference uh, between the wet cars uh, and the, and the uh, WeatherTech cars. And the re- main reason of that, of course, is WeatherTech, we run here every year, so the teams uh, and engineers know exactly what is required for the wet teams. You know, this is totally
3: different well, also to any other track they race on. Particularly the P2 cars, uh, both here in IMSA and over in the WEC paddock, Um, They're on a a stock and spec suspension package, whereas the Cadillacs, along with the rest of the DPIs, have a lot more to play with. It was noticeable how much better the Toyotas looked than any of the prototypes uh, in the WEC sessions that I've watched. The onboard footage from some of the, the WEC prototypes and the P2s in particular looks horrifying. I mean, horrifying. Guys literally white knuckle gripping the wheel, trying to do a fast lap. And there's no way you can do that for eight hours. There's no way. Being thrown around, it was like turning the clock back 15, 20 years. You you know, we get used now to watching onboard footage, either pointing out of the windscreen or back of the driver, that is absolutely, solidly straight and, you know, looks like there's, there's some kind of balance on the on the camera the camera is shaking around the drivers are being shaken around they're wide-eyed quite a lot of them and that is in stark contrast to when you see the guys particularly in the dpi cars as jeremy rightly says and there was i I spoke to a couple of the bmw drivers this morning asking them what they thought Uh, and they felt their car was a little better over the bumps than perhaps it was last year Um, and that's just as jeremy rightly says it just That's just evolving how things go on. BMW out on the circuit this morning, of course, one of the manufacturers running identical cars in both series, 24 at the moment, As Philippe Eng. I was talking to Philippe this morning, looking forward to get back out at it. Right on his tail at the moment is, as they go underneath the Corvette bridge, is a Corvette, and that's the number four car, which means that's Marcel Fesler, the very smiley Swiss driver, Heading down to turn seven now in the morning light. Their team car is actually the quickest car at the moment. Antonio Garcia, who was very quick in FIAWEC as well, remember three of the Corvette drivers doing double duty with a Singleton entry over there. We worked out. Did we think there was eleven drivers, Jeremy, that were doing uh, both the events? Yeah, something like that. That's uh, you know, love to be out there doing the driving, but really. You want to do 20 hours on here rather than in race conditions rather than just 12 or 8? Hats off to you, lads, really. Uh, good morning to you if you are around the circuit listening on 100.9 FM. Lots of uh, praise for that FM transmitter here by an awful lot of Europeans and a lot of Radio Show Limited listeners, part of the collective they're all over the place round here being our eyes and ears before we got all of the TV cameras up so thank you to all of you who have contributed to us it's at IMSA radio when we're on RS2 talking to the world and to you guys about IMSA and it's at RSL underscore studio when it's the WEC penalty for the number 10 Konica Minolta Racing Cadillac that's the shiny black one pit lane speed violation just a one kilometer breach of regulation so just a little finger wag there figuratively speaking from race control let's take a look at some of the times now everyone's settled down i expect to see jeremy some long runs here this morning bmw m6 gt3 leads that's the 96 Mm. car dylan Machovin has just taken that, Machovin has just taken that car out. As it has done on a fairly regular basis, yes. that
4: car's been quick all weekend long and uh, certainly a lot of optimism at Turner Motorsport. We've heard uh, a couple of times, I think, from Bill Obelin, who's just uh, thrilled, and, and uh, he's also driving for Turner Motorsports in the Michelin Pilot Challenge race that will take place just after noon today, and he has legitimate Aspirations here of a of a weekend double, which he hasn't he's done in the past uh, in Imser uh, weekends, but uh, but not for quite a long time. Um, and uh, he's certainly looking pretty good shape. This uh, M six GT three is looking very very consistently fast, uh, as is his M four GT four car that he'll be driving later on this, this afternoon. And Robbie Foley, uh, his teammate in both of the races also, he's been quick in in, the, in both of the cars as well. Robbie's really come along uh, pretty rapidly over the course of the last year or so. And I think uh, he he will lay a lot of the blame quote-unquote for that on bill because bill's been a super help to robbie uh, and bill Albany, we heard from him yesterday just the enthusiasm even at 50 years of age completely undimmed in fact might might be even, even have been heightened with with age and experience and treachery but he loves the fact he's able to pass on the the information he's gained over racing here in the past 26 times for goodness sake uh, to to other drivers
3: tells me he's not 50
4: he tells you he's not fifty.
3: No, no, he's thirty
4: twenty. Thirty twenty. I, 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 <laughs> you know, that's what I that, did for many, many years. It gets a bit more difficult now. I, 30, Can't
3: 30, do the
4: middle of thirty thirty plus is, is getting <laughs> complicated.
3: But that—I mean—I say that in. I, 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 Gosh, in I, I would use
4: twenty as my benchmark, but that's the border of guilt.
3: I help. say that with for Bill, though, <laughs> in all honesty, because I—he's I, never changed. His enthusiasm has not dimmed. One iota. No, I think he's gone the other way. I, I, I really I agree. do. As as he's. As he's come to understand that, you know, these careers sometimes are rather too fleeting. He's already had a great career and he shows no sign in in giving it up. And why should he? He could well, in a couple or three seasons, surpass Hurley Haywood as the person with the most starts at the Mobile 1, 12 hours of Sebring. And talking to him the other day, he said, you know... 20 odd years ago when he started his racing career nearly 30 years ago he could never have yeah. even thought about being mentioned in the same breath as Hurley Hayward and, and now he's, he's within touching distance of breaking his all time start record here
4: Yeah, and, and the win record yeah. in, in big time North American racing he's just one behind Scott Pruitt in that one and uh, you know, it is a, a fabulous career he's, he's had. And the great thing about Bill, he's, he's always been enthusiastic. He's always been upbeat. But, he, you know, he really does appreciate the opportunities he's been given and the opportunities particularly he's been given to, to, to be not only in the sport but competitive throughout. And he's gained, he, he's, gained he's just still, still gaining. Because, uh, you know, he knows, like everybody knows, the more experience you have, the better you get, even when you've been around the sport this long.
3: Here's the other driver who's starting to notch up the starts here at Sebring and at the 12 hours, Jan Magnussen. And uh, we'll have a word uh, with the great Dane with uh, Jimmy down in the pit lane. The number three
5: Corvette on pit lane right now, doing some setup changes. Jan Magnussen watching on. He and his co drivers, you know, you're talking about oh, the, the drivers doing doubles, but Jan. Uh, Antonio and Mike Rockefeller, all in the three Corvette, all, also racing in the WEC. Qualifying's coming up next year. How do you decide who does what?
0: Um, I think the engineers came up with a, with a plan to, uh, to get the best out of the drive time for all of us. Last night was kind of simple because both drivers had to, uh, to qualify the car. Two drivers had to qualify. By the way, that's a fun way of qualifying but uh, no, in the IMSA we're just doing our normal rotation. I qualified at uh, Daytona, and qualifies here. We kind of take turns like that, so, so that, that was simple.
5: Seems very diplomatic, so it's a nice way of doing things. You mentioned the change qualifying. in qualifying. In the WEC it's a... average of two drivers that set your qualifying position but that's just one of the different rules how do you manage the expectation of knowing what to do where to be when to be there with the safety cars all the different procedures
0: i think uh, the well no the, the the team will be on the radio going through every procedure every time we get in a new situation so they're not completely uh, new rules to us. It's similar to Le Mans, but uh, racing here, it's easy to fall back in your old routine and just do what you normally do. So the crew will be very much on the radio, telling us like just little things, uh, trying to remember which pit lane to go into <laughs> so you don't end up in the wrong one. But uh, safety car procedures are quite different. So just stuff like that. They'll be on the radio telling us the whole time what to do.
5: In years past, it's always been once you get to Le Mans for, for the Corvette team in particular, you're trying to figure out who's in which cars, what the competition is like, getting used to those procedures. How much is racing here at Sebring going to help with some of that, you think, when you get to Le Mans?
0: I think it will give us a, a – uh, we'll be better prepared. It will give us a, a little bit more of an advantage. When we do get to Le Mans, that we have raced, these guys we will know how they race and how hard they race. Um so I'm, I'm hoping it will give us some, uh, some, some good info for when we go for the big one.
5: All right, let's talk about qualifying coming up just a few minutes' time. You said Antonio is going to do it. Realistically, when you look at what you guys have been able to put together over the course of all the practice sessions, where do you see the number three Corvette at the end of it?
0: I think we have a shot. I, I think we have a good shot at pole, but uh, it, the competition is always so close. So if the car is perfect, For sure, we have a we have a chance. But if any little thing, traffic or something, gets in the way, everything goes away. Uh, But uh, we feel pretty confident. I think we have a good car here and a good car in
1: the wet.
5: All right, well, I know Antonio's going to qualify. I'll see you in the car a little bit later on. Let's head down to Shea Adam. With Aaron Taylor, too, definitely one of the big surprises
6: after the 24 hours of Daytona. You're a name that the Road to Indy is very familiar with. You've impressed people a lot over there. But I have to say your debut in sports cars, that went pretty darn well from our point of view. How was it for you?
7: Oh, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, really enjoyed my first outing uh, in sports cars at Daytona. These AIM Bachelor Sullivan guys doing such an awesome job. What a great team. Uh, They've only had these cars before Daytona for, I think, uh, 90 days or something like that. So to get them on the podium right away on debut, I'm a new driver. I mean, it it went as well as uh, I thought it could go.
6: And to wind up on the podium in your first sports car race, that in itself is pretty special. Now you're here 12 hours of Sebring. This is a whole different beast, though. They say it's half as long, twice as hard. Have you been experiencing that on the track so far? Oh,
7: absolutely. I mean, this Sebring course, it's flat, but... uh not really flat on the surface, super bumpy. Uh, car jumps out all over the place. Uh, it's going to be tough, a tough race. I think much more difficult than uh, Daytona. But so far, so good. Yesterday, we, I was P3 in practice one, and then just working through some of our items uh, that we wanted to work through yesterday in the evening. And uh, yeah, watch, uh, watch for our cars to be up front again.
6: Oh, I would expect them to be, and they're hard to miss, too, the bright yellow. That's got to help from a spotter's perspective. But you come here, Sebring, it's a legendary track, driving with Townsend Bell, who won here in 2012. Frankie Montecalvo still looking for that first win. How badly do you guys want this? Oh, we want it really
7: bad. I mean, uh, you know, to get a win here for Ambassador Sullivan and the Lexus team, uh, only the second race of the season, that'd be huge. Uh, I think we've got a good shot at it. Townsend, obviously, tons of experience. Awesome to be uh, teammates with him. Uh, just tons to learn from him. So it's, it's a really good opportunity.
6: Because of the way the qualifying works, it has to be a silver or bronze driver in the car. You've fit that bill. Might we see you in the Lexus for qualifying? Uh, I don't
7: think I'll be doing qualifying yet. Um, Frankie will keep doing the qualifying. I've never even started a sports car race. So we're going with uh, experience, I think, over over me right now, which is fine. I'm fine with that role. Maybe later in the season. We'll see.
6: Yeah, there's a for everything, Aaron. Good luck this weekend, and thanks for the chat.
3: Thanks, guys. Catherine Legg going to the top of GT. Dear tona she's been a very busy driver uh, since we last saw her here in the U.S. with a couple of uh, trips to the Formula e-events for the Rahul Letterman-Lanigan team with the their with <laughs> teammate Brian Sellers in the Jaguar uh, I-Pace e-trophy and uh, in fact they are first and second in the championship they've taken a win apiece, Catherine at on Poland and the win at Mexico Brian with the win last weekend in a very wet and inhospitable for driving at least uh, Hong Kong e-pre and she's on top at the moment with a two minutes flat in that uh, 57 Caterpillar-sponsored Acura,
4: and that is the fastest time in GTD this week thus far. Oh wow, uh, two minutes point zero one two for Catherine. The fastest lap yesterday was a two minutes point five, so significant, significantly quicker this morning for Catherine. Uh, Dylan McAvern, who is now driving the number 96 car, uh, also. Underneath the the, the fastest time from yesterday, that's at a 2 minutes point 3. It's actually Robbie Foley at at that time in the first few minutes of this session. Uh, Third fastest is the number 11 Lamborghini Rolf in Eichen it is, who just set that time at 2 minutes point four. So the top three in GTD this morning, already quicker than anybody managed yesterday. I mean, conditions are really, really good right now. You know, it is cooler uh, and uh, certainly conducive for fast lap times, as we are seeing at the front, as Elliot Castro Nevers in the Acura DPI turns a 146.643 uh, to be fastest uh, this morning and indeed also the fastest of the week so far. And his teammate, uh, oh, actually, as, uh, well, as, I, as, I, as I was saying that, it was actually Catronova's did a 146.676. Dane Cameron, his teammate in column 6, has just done a 146.643. So the two Acuras now fastest of the week so far. And what's interesting about that is that the Acuras have got, they've got about 3% less horsepower here compared to one year ago. Their boost levels were, were dropped a little bit last year. And there was some concern that perhaps the crews weren't, weren't exactly as they should be, perhaps, quote-unquote, in the balance of performance relative to the other DPI cars. Well, uh, the pace they've shown this morning... Would seem to suggest that they're, they're, they're right in the ballpark. Those are the quickest times of yeah. the weekend. The best of the Cadillacs this morning, 147.0. That's Joao Barbosa in car number five. The Mazdas, which look fabulously strong yesterday, number five car, Jonathan Bomarito, turned a 5- 47.6 so far. Yesterday's times, combined times from the three sessions yesterday, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, one in the evening, uh, the number 55 drivers, three of them, were three of the top four overall on the day. The fastest time of the day yesterday, set by Olivier Platt in the afternoon at a 146.834. Uh, uh, Harry Tinknell fastest in the evening session. Uh, at a 146.953. Jonathan Bomarito, was quickest in the morning session, at uh, 147.143, was fourth quickest overall. The other, only interloper, Felipe Nasser, uh, also in the first session yesterday in a number 31 wheel and engineering Cadillac, at uh,
3: 146.6. And so, all three uh, of those drivers you mentioned, by the way, Shiz just said in my yeah. ear, are doing the double, of course.
4: They are. They're, they're busy. They get, they've got lots of track time here, different cars, of course. Yeah, they're driving the uh, Multimatic Fords in the Ford National racing, four GTS in the uh, in the Tech. so not an awful lot of of uh, information. I would have thought that would be relevant between one car and the other, and uh, but certainly Jonathan Bombrito. Yesterday, we heard from him who was saying that he found the transition going from the uh, GTE car to the prototype was a lot easier, just because the prototype is a lot more basically comfortable to drive.
3: Still, fifty-eight minutes to go in this extended session for Free Practice 4 of the IMSA WeatherTech SportsCar Championship. We're live from Trackside here at Sebring. And still people arriving, believe it or not. I did notice uh, Marshall Pruitt writing the story having for, for Racer.com having spoken to the management here at Sebring there's a very real worry that they'll run out of tickets for anybody who wants to walk up on Friday or Saturday, it's been such a big take up, certainly the crowd has been here earlier we we won't get uh, a crowd figure here, it's not the the done thing, but uh, Mm. certainly the crowd was here earlier, whether or not it's any uh, bigger, I'll you know, I, I don't think it matters, but what it has done is it's brought people here, a, 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 a more people here earlier in the week for sure.
4: I, I, I was at St. Petersburg last week, which is only a couple of hours away from here, for the first uh, IndyCar race of the season. And the, it, there was a story in the paper there, I think it was on the Monday, um, not really about the race here, but more to say that the police. In Florida, in general, we're expecting as many as 200,000 people to be in in the Sebring area this weekend, uh, uh, and that's that's a big number. So you know the the police were you know, cognizant of the, of that fact and, and and dealing with their their resources appropriately.
3: Nine one two Porsche engine in the background. Earl Bamba, the man conducting that flat six orchestra this morning. Third position, Corvette, four GT. Porsche the top three in GT Le Mans, separated by well under half a second for Antonio Garcia, Scott Dixon in the Ford GT, number 67, and then Earl Bamber. Then it's the second of the Corvettes, Tommy Milner, the number four. Joey Hand in the second of the Chip Ganassi GTs, the 66 in fifth, and then BMW Porsche, BMW, Philip M, Patrick Pele, Conor De Filippi. Really has been brilliant so far this week in terms of the weather. Number 11, Lamborghini. Miracle Bortolotti has just gone out. So uh, GTD now is Acura NSX, the 57 of Catherine Leg. Then it's the BMW M6, the Turner car, the blue and yellow car. Then it's that chrome greenish, low slung, Evil, wicked, mean and nasty looking Lamborghini Huracan. Very distinctive cars, aren't they? And as I say that, Zach Robichon. Zachary Robichon goes up into second in the 911 GT3R, the number nine car. And they're all on two minutes flat. In fact, all the way down to sixth position and another Huracan. This is of uh, Spencer Pumpelli, the 44 Magnus racing car. Uh, they are all on two minutes Point something at that point, and in fact, it's two minutes flat to two minutes point nine at Spencer, so less less than a second between the first half dozen cars. And there were fourteen of the cars that last know. night were within within a second. Whoa, oh, that's a big big moment up. at turn seventeen, a moment or two ago the for, really for five the five car
4: Tristan Vautier,
3: correct fourth position, the Cadillac. Number 85. Slight difference in the uh, two. Oh, and he's put a wheel off going down into the hairpin. Left rear Michelin on the dirt. And as he shifted down, he got very sideways. Just a little bit of purple on that car, which is uh, an addition and just helps to slightly differentiate between the two yellow Cadillacs. Actually, he had both left-hand side Michelin's on the dirt and got a bit of a lock-up, but dealt with it very well indeed not to spin that car. That's where, had a very big incident there last night for one of the WEC Ferraris, Luis Perez Compank, putting the uh, Clearwater car into the wall under braking there. That car extremely badly damaged. Driver walked away under his own steam, then was taken to the medical centre for a check-up. We'll find out what's happened with that when we get to the WEC event. No warm-up for WEC today. Over an RS3, for those of you listening in around the world, uh, Johnny Palmer and Andrew Marriott, the substantive, steel for, uh, substantive team for that. Uh, let, let's go down to Jamie. Not all sweetness and light down in the Imza pit lane either this morning for uh, one of the leading lights in Imza.
5: That's the number 10 from Konica Minolta, the beautiful Cadillac DPI, the shiny black paint. Been staring at it- for a while now. They've been on pit lane. They have Matthew Vaxavier behind the wheel. Jordan Taylor did go out for the early couple of laps. and If you just look at timing and scoring, you think, wow, they're really struggling. But to be honest, they haven't really put in a good lap. They're trying some various setup changes which admittedly is a bit odd given that this is the last practice session before qualifying. But Jeremy, you talked about this earlier. In this practice session, how much are you going to actually learn? Is it better to try and get a little more comfortable, see what you're setup can do on a longer run you know what what do you do with this time this morning and Konica Minolta with Wayne Taylor on the box this morning that's what they're trying to figure out
4: yeah it's pretty interesting that certainly you know the, the I, I said earlier on you know how much is a uh, question how much there is to learn a little bit earlier on this morning with the conditions now being so perfect for quick uh, for fast lap times but uh, the real is always something to learn in these cars and Tristan Votier he is clearly right on the limit he just he was driving a Brady 5 car, along with uh, M- Michu Goikberg, who's also been fast. I think it's actually Michu set the fastest time in that car so far this morning, actually. Uh, and uh, and Juan Pedro Hita, with whom I was talking this morning, Juan Pedro Hita making just his second sports sports car start, formerly raced in Indy Lights. And he was just telling me this morning, I said, what are you up to? He's only doing the long-distance races this season with the JDC team, with which he's driven before, by the way, on the Mazda to Indy. Uh, but uh, he's he's... I said, what else are you doing? He said, i will just started up a business with Gabby Chavez. I said, <laughs> yeah, What's that? it's, 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 it's a, a mobile oil change service. Ooh. It's called Mobile Pit Stop. It's based in Indianapolis. Idea. Free plug here, one, uh, because uh, you two guys are, are, are great. You and G- Gabby Chavez, really good guys. Uh, mobile Pit Stop, and, and they, they travel to your house in the Indianapolis area and change the oil on your car. Really cool idea, I thought. Uh, this started up two weeks ago.
3: Wow. So, uh, congrats, guys. As somebody who, since I got back from Bathurst, has had to get cars through the uh, Ministry of Transport test, the MOT test, back at home. I've, out a, I've still got to sort out a service for the K1600 BMW motorcycle I use uh, back at home for going in and out of London. And I've uh, got our little Seattle the workhorse to get in for its annual service as well. Just finding the time to do that, and the you know, however long it's going to take to drive it there, sit and wait, and drive it back from anything like that. I think that's a genius idea. Yeah. Absolutely genius idea. Uh, Fifty minutes still to go in this extended free practice four, with uh, fabulous weather conditions here. Acura, Acura, Cadillac, Cadillac. Mazda, Cadillac, Cadillac, Mazda, Cadillac, your top nine. That number 10 car that Jamie was telling us about, don't forget that did have a little bit of an oil leak problem earlier on in the week, didn't cost it too much track time, that was fixed very quickly. But You want to get all those niggles, any little tweaks done out of the way. The other thing about that that we've talked about all week, and I'm sure this will be also something we hear from our interviews in the pit lane with Shea and Jamie, is how this track has evolved and how much quicker than normal this track has evolved. Something close to 140 cars racing here this week. There was a full test weekend for the FIA WEC runners uh, at the weekend just gone. So a lot of running and bar, I think, three LMP2 cars in WEC, everyone on Michelin rubber. So the evolution of the track surface and the grip that it's giving unlike anyone's ever seen here before is what I'm hearing from the old hands also the other thing I, th- I thought was quite funny was Andrew Marriott last night at the start of qualifying for WEC listening to Jan Magnuson talking about remembering which pit lane he was at Andrew went up to Danny Binks the Dan Binks the crew chief and man behind the so much of the good stuff in that team uh, Looking after both the WEC and IMSA, and stuck uh, at Mike Andre's note. Who's qualifying? He said. And Dan had to look into the said, I've got no idea. I've just walked here from the other pit lane. <laughs> he said. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Every everybody's having to get used to some uh, different operational uh, capabilities and requirements here with the two series here together. And don't forget, we've also already had a prototype race here with the IMSA prototype challenge. Two hour event yesterday, near enough, one hour and 45 minutes. We've got the Allen J120, which is the Michelin pilot challenge for GS and TCR cars. That's GT4 and TCR for those of you more used to the international formula. Uh, And that will be live here on IMSA Radio, around the world in sound and vision, no blocks no breaks for that, so whether you're here in the States or further afield uh, that comes up, and in fact that is the, if you like, the little starter portion of endurance before we go into the eight hours of the WEC, so that's all still to come today from Sebring, whether you're listening here on 100.9 FM at the circuit or around the world on the Radio Show Limited network of channels, we'll fire up the video player at RadioLamond.com as well, and you can get into it on Imza.tv and let's welcome back an old friend to Sebring and to the Imza paddock delighted to say that Jamie Howe has caught up with Brendan Hartley back in endurance racing this season
5: And he is sitting here like a good student of Mustang Sampling. He has his headset on, listening to team communication. Joao Barbosa behind the wheel right now. Uh, Philippe was in the car at the start of this session. Do we expect to see you get back in?
8: Yeah, I'm having another run at the end. Um, Yeah, I built the car for the first time yesterday. First time in the Action Express Cadillac. Yeah, Yeah, I felt right at home. I'm pulling double duties this week, so jumping between cars isn't straightforward. But, you know, everyone here is... Made me feel uh, like part of the family and can't wait for the race tomorrow.
5: Are you, you're coming out of your stint in Formula One, but you are a two-time world champion in sports car racing. When you come back into this world and with these two paddocks, both in, on the same weekend, how much of it is just coming home for you?
8: Yeah, I, I definitely feel welcome back. Um, you know, the, I have a big history in the WEC, so a lot of friendly faces, but also in, in EMSA and, and my time in Grand Am back in 2013, so... Yeah, it's nice to see so many friendly faces and familiar ones in the paddock, and yeah, I'm really looking forward to the, well, both races this weekend. It's going to be a tough one for me, but I've got two great teams and teammates behind me, and, and uh, yeah, can't wait.
5: What are the differences between the two cars you're racing here this weekend?
8: Well, actually, chassis-wise, they're quite similar. Uh, the pit lane is on the other side of the racetrack, and uh, there's a few other things that I, I have to deal with, so I've got my wife there helping out, making sure I'm at the right place at the right time, and... I've got driver manuals I have to go through before I drive the car each time, but I'm okay. I've got a, enough experience in different race cars and a, a, a bit of uh, a bit of Red Bull and coffee to keep it up.
5: When the Formula One deal went away for you, how much work did you personally put into getting back into sports car racing and putting these programs together?
8: Um, I guess the text messages and, and phone calls started happening straight away. Uh, you know, I've, I've been in touch with. With Action Express over the last few years we can never put something together and an opportunity opened up and I and, uh, jumped at it.
5: It's great to have you back here Brendan.
8: Thank you.
3: Uh, We'd be remiss having just talked to a Kiwi as well not to send all of our best to all of the Kiwis around the world. Terrible news breaking overnight of uh, the shootings uh, down in New Zealand. There's an awful lot of New Zealanders in motorsport paddocks around the world, and uh, thoughts and prayers with uh, everyone. With that terrible news breaking overnight, good to have Brendan back here and a smart man, Jeremy. He's got his wife here to make sure he is in the right place. That's Sarah, of yeah. course. Um, you, you and I learned many years ago that that was the, uh, the best way to make sure we were in the right place at the right time and wearing the right shirt.
4: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Share the responsibilities and de- delegate and, uh, and have somebody <laughs> in charge of things. That's absolutely the way but, to do it.
3: Bit of an odd incident out on the circuit a moment or two ago with Jordan Taylor in the number 10, Coningham and Alta Cadillac. Uh, coming together with Andrew Davies in the more speed number 19, the, the sort of dark grey and gold. Audi, the number 19 car. I mean, Andrew, extremely experienced driver, uh, but was not up to speed in that car. It didn't seem. So side-by-side impact as the Kinnicka Minolti car came through, and both cars straight into the pit lane. That'll be having a look at. This is, remember, only a free practice session. That was pretty stout contact, and it
4: certainly looked like Andrew for some reason might have been distracted or didn't see the car coming up behind him. The prototype cars, DPI cars in particular, do come up very, very fast uh, and uh, didn't look like Andrew was um, you know, gave the, the Cadillac much space because the Cadillac was clearly a lot faster. It was committed to the corner and uh, just one of those little misunderstandings. Hopefully the consequence is not too dire.
0: It's a
6: very Canadian thing to spend spring break down in Florida. A lot of people do it from up north. But for Zachary Robichon, you come down here to Sebring, not quite to a beach. How has your first time the Sebring International Raceway for the 12 hours been going so far?
2: You know, it's, it's, been a, it's been a good experience so far. You know, the guys from FAF Motorsports, obviously we had a lot of work to do after Daytona. And uh, I think we all come here with, uh, with a new challenge and, and we're just looking to, to do the best we can. You know, Luckily for Scott and I, we've been here before. So it's a little bit like a homecoming. Like you say, Canadians like to come to Florida and drivers like to come test at Sebring. So luckily for us, we've been here a few times and, and we're able to get comfortable. I think we have a pretty good car. Faf has really, really done a great job with that Porsche GT3R. So we'll see, we'll see how the rest of the weekend goes.
6: For Lars Kern, he's in the car now. It's a rookie orientation, effectively. It's a guy who holds a track record around the Nurburgring Nordschleife. So clearly he knows his way around complicated tracks. But what have you and Scott been able to do to help him figure out the bumps around here?
2: Yeah, definitely. We were sort of joking about him, asking him, hey, which one's tougher here or the, the Nordschleife? He's like, the difference is here, everybody's so close, you're looking for a couple tenths, whereas at the Nurburgring, you're looking for 10 seconds. So it's a little bit of a different driving style. And, and we, we've, had a, we've had a good fun with them to, to show them that, uh, that the American tracks aren't that easy.
6: <laughs> it's good to see you guys back, and obviously a lot of damage to the car after Daytona. Did that make the
2: six weeks in between the two races feel even longer? It, it certainly made the week after Daytona never end. Uh, I'd say a lot of people have lots of funny comments to make, uh, but it's you know that's racing, and, and like we said, it, it happens. And, and to be honest, the team is has rallied together, and I think we're stronger as a team now than we were before.
6: Well, and you do your talking out on the track. P3 so far this morning. You went out there and said a really fast time, and qualifying coming up a little later. That'll be all on you, won't it?
2: Yeah, qualifying's gonna be on me. I always, always enjoy it. You know, it's it's a good time to, to get out. You. You can rarely, especially in endurance racing, you don't get the opportunity to drive like that a lot. So I think, I think we have a decent car, and, and the, you know, the Porsche's brought a really good package here. So I'm just looking forward to, to a good race. And it is a 12-hour race, so qualifying's not everything. But, uh, you know, if we can stay out of the mess, it should be good.
5: Good luck to the Canadian number nine. Pardon? And down in the Meyer Shank Racing pit, um, Catherine Leg, I was just watching the debrief that she was having with Jackie Heinricher. You know, when this program was announced back at Petit Le Mans last year, I'm going to surprise Jackie here. She's listening in on the radio. When this program was announced, we were expecting Jackie to see you behind the wheel of the car. Now, watching, you're recovering from your back injury. What stage of recovery are you in? When when will we see you in the car? Oh, thank you. Um, I had a pretty nice test out here, but this being one of the bumpiest tracks, uh, that probably would have been pretty uncomfortable. I'm going to test at uh, mid-Ohio or in advance. And Watkins Glen, so I'm looking to enter one of those sprint races. When you're sitting here and, and watching the, the program that you put together, the Caterpillar sponsorship on the beautiful Acura NSX, when you're watching the car go around the track, what? what sense of pride and what sense of ace do you feel oh you know no words I mean amazing women amazing team the car's incredible I am so proud of this whole thing and and I'm I'm just I'm just grateful to be part of this entire thing and honestly it's going to be a very exciting race for us we have a solid lineup here this weekend. I'm going to write it down: Mid Ohio or Watkins Glen. We're going to see you in the car. Up to, thank you so much, and have a great day. Thank you, Jackie. You too,
3: Jackie. Instrumental in the in putting that team together, as Jimmy was saying, and, and bringing Caterpillar, uh, huge name, very long name actually as well. But no, I'm, I'm being serious here. But that's a, a really interesting program. Caterpillar getting behind that. Uh, Number 57 car, which sits on top of the timing screens in GTT. Christina Nielsen's just taken that car out.
4: Yeah, the program certainly has legs, doesn't it? Oh, sorry, sorry about that. Right, so where are we now? Um, one on <laughs> Montoya is at the wheel number six car at the moment. Ricky Taylor, on the right number track, seven,
3: if it's Caterpillar,
4: <laughs> it's on the right track. Exactly, that's Caterpillar. Yes. I'm yeah, digging so you Catherine, out of that Catherine, there. Thank you, yeah. Um, No road change, but super fast times are up and down the fields this morning. Uh, We've now got uh, four cars in DPI within the same half a second. Uh, The number 10 car still hasn't done a a fast lap this morning. They've been in and out of the pits doing things. Of course, there was that contact just a few minutes ago with Andrew Davis, I think just about as uh, Jordan was trying to... Lay down some quick laps. I think that was meant to be a quick lap, Uh, actually, because he was
3: hustling along. The body language of the car, for sure. uh, uh,
4: Absolutely. I mean, those were no question about that. Yes, I agree. So he's back out on the track now after that. uh, After a good look to see if there was any damage. Hopefully, there wasn't. Uh, So, new fastest laps of the week thus far in all three, all four classes, uh, with uh, the fastest time of the day so far being set uh, earlier. ...this morning by the Acura of Dane Cameron. Uh, And then in P2, the fastest time was set by Gabriel Obrey... ...in the Orica column of 52 of 1 minute 50.269. Put that into perspective. The lap record here last season, the race lap record by oliver jarvis was 149.002 every one of the dpi cars this weekend has gone faster than that at one stage or another which is pretty impressive i think in uh, gtlm new fastest time this morning just a little while ago by patrick pille in the porsche 911 rsr that is number 911 a 156.635 the previous fastest lap Yesterday was 156.9, so three-tenths of a second quicker there. I think uh, Patrick didn't see the script uh, and uh, didn't. it went a little bit quicker than he probably should have done this morning. But I think we'll see more pace from the GTLM cars in
3: qualifying just uh, in, what, an hour or so. Which will be live here on RS2, the home of IMSA Radio throughout this 2019 50th anniversary season for IMSA. Juan Pablo Montoya, Juan Montoya and Alexander Rossi. Out in the two Acura Team Penske cars. They've just left the pits. This could be entertaining. <laughs> Alexander Rossi has really taken to this. Having an absolute ball and, well, one Montoya. Never won to give anything less than 100% when he gets his... Hands on the wheel of a racing car. Yeah, I had a little bit of a chat with him last weekend at St. Pete. Actually, he
4: was there coaching a young Venezuelan whose whose family is a friends with with uh, Montoya, uh, and uh, he, you know, super relaxed as always. Actually, he gave I was I was giving a little tour around the paddock to some underprivileged kids from the area, which is part of the Kids on Track program put on by High Tide Boat in in the Road to India. It's a really cool program, actually, and we just Juan Pablo was was nearby and he came over and he chatted to the kids. For, for a little while which I thought was really cool of him sign some autographs and just totally relaxed but really looking forward to getting back at the wheel of Team Penske Acura here at Sebring
3: Now, yeah, mentioned in some of the earlier sessions it was a a decent opening to Acura Team Penske's account last year in IMSA but decent isn't enough for the Penske organisation had a couple of good results um, Had a couple of good results but didn't really find consistency throughout the year in terms of racking up the points. Uh, They were fast at the Rolex 24 Daytona but ultimately had some reliability issues. Got a feeling they've come here with an even more steely determination. Penske have been tremendously successful in... The early part of this season in all of their, uh, in a number of rather, should I say, of their other championships and series. And I just wonder if that puts a little bit more pressure on the guys under Roger Pency and Tim Sindrick. Tim was the tactical mastermind and strategic genius behind the win at St. Pete's last weekend for Joseph Newgarten. And they took the temperature of the race perfectly to get that. Joseph did his bit, of course, the nut behind the wheel. Absolutely. But it is a team effort. Small margins for that. Uh, Philippe Albuquerque behind the wheel of the number five Cadillac. It's the Mustang sampling ended car. So it's Acura, Acura, Cadillac, Mazda 55. Jonathan Bomarito just come into the pits. Uh, those guys separated by under half a second. Those top four.
4: Yeah, and Bomarito having just improved his time on the on his on his the last lap before he came onto pit lane at 47.0, uh, pretty much the same as Albuquerque 47.040 against 47.074. So uh, that's, that's, that's a little while ago. So hasn't that Bomarito have been in the pits now? I think for for a bit.
3: Another driver who was at St Pete's last week, Colton Herter, who was a real sensation at the end of last year's IndyCar season when he got a chance to try out. He's back in the Imza paddock again. Delighted to see him. And Jamie Howe is down at the pit
5: he was also one of my favorite interviews following the rolex 24 at daytona colton you said uh when we talked post-race that the rolex was the most expensive thing you own you still live at home with your parents the high of winning the rolex 24 have you come down from that yet
9: uh sadly yes you know it's, it's been a while and i've had a race weekend in between so i've had to focus on other things but uh yeah what, what a race that was and it was just spectacular
5: getting back behind the wheel of the BMW, um, having having the race at St. Pete in between, what is the transition like for you being so young? Um,
9: yeah, they're, they're two completely different cars, with two completely different driving styles, so you have to change it quite a bit, and uh, yeah, obviously there's some things, I, I've tested both the cars enough times now where it's not too difficult to go from one to the other, and I kind of know what to expect out of them now, so... Uh, it, it was kind of a bit of a problem when I first was jumping around cars, but uh, now I'm pretty used to it.
5: There were a couple of incidents last night where we saw you go off of the racetrack. What was going on behind the wheel?
9: Uh, just trying to figure out my brake points, and, and we are doing a bit of fuel saving as well, so it was constantly changing the brake points, and then... Uh yeah, obviously, uh, very different brake systems in this to the IndyCar as well. So that was the first time I hopped in was in night practice and, and just kind of you know judging the track and, and and I guess trying out the grass
5: as well. You don't have your fire suit on, so I assume you're not going to get in this morning. What is the plan for the 12-hour race? What do you, have you put put forth your um, your driving duties yet? Who's going to do what? when? Um.
9: Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll do two double stints and I think I'll probably be the second driver. Um, I think that's generally what happens with a third driver is I'll go second. So, uh, yeah, hopefully I'll, uh, I'll keep it clean and I'll hand it back to the professionals in one piece.
5: And conducting interviews just like one of the old pros, John.
3: I, I like that. Give it back to the professionals in one piece. Uh, just while that was going on, Felipe Fraga dropping off. The circuit in the 33 AMG uh, GT. That's the the Winds sponsored car. Uh, that was at uh, a turn 10 on the far side of the circuit, so Cunningham corner. Out there to give it. Johnny Palmer likes coming to tracks that have corner names. Now he's stayed out, cleaned off the tyres. Uh, let's. Whilst we're in this, a uh, little holding pattern with the. Th- about Half an hour, 30 minutes to go. Not many improvements coming in at the moment. Uh, Let's go down to Shear, Adam.
6: With Chris Kermiz. And Chris, we're back at Sebring International Raceway. It's a place that I know you love. The good news is the Audis have gone faster than they did yesterday. The bad news is they're still quite far off the pace. And the 29 Land Audi isn't on the first page of timing. Is everything okay with your car?
1: Yeah, we just ran used tires um, just to probably or to mainly uh, focus for the race. Um, Daniel is in now and he's having a new set um, later on like maybe in two or three laps he's having a new set and it's doing a quality sim then and then we really see where we are.
6: Is it hard not to get sucked in by these fake temperatures because the race shouldn't be like this at any point
1: tomorrow? Well our car was quite good last night um, but obviously I think every, everyone's car balance is improving when it's getting colder so... Um, at least our car felt nice, we are still a bit off the pace, but uh, we do everything we can right now, what is in our hands, we, we improved the setup quite a lot and we are quite happy with the car actually. It's probably uh, the best uh, it has been this year so far, so um, especially on new tyres and on the long run our car seems to be really good, uh, unfortunately a little bit too slow compared to the others, but nothing we can change there, so uh, we just do our job, try to do no mistake and then, you know, the race is quite long.
6: You've got the second pit box from pit in, so there's no excuse for missing your pit box at least. That's going to be a little bit helpful in the race. And with so many other GTD cars pitted down here, things are going to get busy during pit stops. Do you guys have any secret advantage to keeping things clean on pit stops?
1: Well, the the best advantage would be to be in front because then you're the first GTD car pitting in. Um, It's quite exciting for the fans because as soon as as we have a full course yellow, there will be a lot of GTD cars in a row here, and it will be quite messy. Um, but, you know, it's part of the game. It's part of the job. Uh, we just have to make sure we are in front of everyone, and it's quite easy for us then.
6: A lot of fans will be cheering for the Montemplast by Land Audi, and it's St. Patrick's Day this weekend, so it's a good color to have green on your car. Good luck, Chris.
3: Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, great to hear that that car hasn't got an issue. This is the 29 car we're talking about going down to... Turned seven in front of the hotel right now. Just being passed by Felipe Fraga, actually, in that 33 Mercedes. Still not on the first page of timing and not in the top 10 of GT Daytona. We don't say that very often of a land-run car, but now we know why. Building up to it. And I think they might have got a little love tap from Felipe Fraga coming through Big Ben. No, just dropped the right-hand side Michelins off the tarmac onto the dirt coming out of five into six at Big Bend. Uh, the other Mercedes, the P1 Motorsports entry, kind
4: number 71. There's been quite a few changes there since uh, Daytona. Completely different management structure I- in place, apparently. Uh, below the team principal, JC Perez, of course. Um, hardly anybody there who's there now was there at uh, Daytona. But uh, Paul Matter, I believe, has been brought in as the uh, as the sort of crew chief or team manager. Uh, but that car, the number 71 car, they've been having some some strange problems with the left rear wheel becoming either loose or detached, which is not a good problem to have anywhere. Uh, it happened, to get, it happened, I think, at Daytona. I think it happened in a the test they did and also happened yesterday. We saw the number 71 car yesterday, John, run wide. At, I think it was at turn one and then limp back to the pits. Uh, and uh, that, I'm told, was the problem that, again, the left rear wheel had come loose on that car. Yeah, so they did very well to get it back actually. It did, yeah. So they're, they're, they're completely perplexed um, uh, or were. Whether they found a, a, a cause for that since yesterday, I don't know. But they've certainly got their fingers crossed it won't occur again.
3: 100.9 FM around the circuit around the world on the Radio Show Limited network of audio and video channels. We've got qualifying for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports car championship coming up in sound and vision, no blocks, no brakes, whether you're here in the States or further afield. If you are sitting in front of your computer or you've got connectivity on your phone, you'll be able to see the glorious pictures from here at Sebring International Raceways. We're counting down to tomorrow's Mobile One at 12 hours of Sebring presented by Advanced Auto Parts. And of course, if you are in a territory that doesn't have a network TV deal for IMSA this year, then you can also see the whole of the race live without commercial interruption and with the trackside commentary from the IMSA broadcast booth. For those of you in the US, check your local MBC schedules, C S N and it will be. The usual team, led by, uh, actually it isn't the usual team this weekend, is it? Because I was going to say led by Lee Diffie, but I don't think Lee's on duty uh, this weekend. Um, I may be wrong, but the guys will be up with Charlotte with the team down here. I haven't seen Calvin, uh, uh, who's normally around here in the early part of the week. I haven't seen Calvin to to have a chat with him, Calvin Fish, to see who's on duty. But I know that Calvin is part of the team there. A couple of changes
4: uh, for third position in both DPI and GTD. Uh, third fastest in DPI now, the number five car, Philip Albuquerque, just has improved his time to 146.818. So that's within two-tenths of a second of the pair of Tim Pensky Acura DPIs that lead the way, the number six ahead of the number seven. In GT Daytona, the, the Lamborghini is looking super strong this weekend for me. Brian Sellers has just jumped up into third place with his best lap of the weekend at two minutes point three two five in the defending series champion paul miller racing lamborghini caliber 48 uh, just ahead of him are the number 57 acura we saw Catherine legs at that time fastest of the week so far two minutes point zero one two a little while ago and in second place another the lamborghini's Mirko Bertolotti, just 17 thousandths of a second away from the acura so super tight there scott hargrove remains in thir- in fourth position in the porsche kind of nine at a two minutes point three, also at a two minutes point three, is a BMW M6 GT3, kind of a ninety six. That time was set by Robbie Foley uh, a bit earlier in this session, and also right there uh, on a two minutes point three is a number forty four Lamborghini of Magnus Racing. It was Spencer Pompelli who set that time a little while ago, and John Potter. He was just turning some two oh twos. He's just got back out of the pits now on his, I think, on his previous stint, might be wrong on that, uh, and if so, that that would be his quickest laps of the weekend so far, it will be John that qualifies that car I'm sure in an, in what 45 minutes time or so a bit more than that. i
3: would take it back it is the Diffie and Calvin this weekend with H. A. Olmendinger on the NBC coverage uh, of the race for you here in the US So what we got left Jeremy, 22 odd minutes mm. and then it'd
4: be a similar gap before we get into qualifying a little bit more than that I guess before qualifying will start yeah half an hour yeah uh, yeah okay right true uh, with the GTD cars out first for 15 minutes and just a, a 10 minute break before the GTLM cars go out for their 15 minutes of fame and another 10 minute break before the
3: DPI's and, and uh, LMP2 cars. If you're listening on IMSA Radio around the world, just li- leave it uh, locked in. In fact, this will go out on the 454 scanner here as well. In the break, our wonderful producer, uh, Kerry, back in the UK, is uh, he's going to do her song and dance routine. No, she's not actually, but I, I bet she could, because she's very good at everything. Uh, it's going to be Nick Damon with uh, a look at the SUV offering from Maserati in our real-world road test of the Maserati Leventi. Or we could have him do his selection of short tunes, if you'd prefer. (laughs) I'm I'm sure Nick wouldn't mind either. So the Maserati Leventi real-world road test in between the end of this session and the start of our coverage of the qualifying sessions here. Just looking again out of the window here, just marvelling at the
4: sight that is before our eyes with the sea of humanity, or tense at least, and, and gorgeous weather. Just look at the weather forecast for tomorrow. There's still some chance of showers. Prepare to sneeze. Sorry about that. Oh, quick sneeze. Good morning, everybody. um <laughs> and you, I, uh, it Looks like now there's, there's a chance of showers this evening as well, late this evening, uh, with the... WC race is due to to finish, I think isn't it? Around, around about midnight. Well, from nine o'clock onwards, there's a 35, 40, 50% chance of showers this evening. That'll be an interesting end towards that race. Uh, and then tomorrow, uh, there's a probably a higher percentage chance of, of rain in the, particularly in the early evening. But really from from uh, noon onwards, there's 20, 20 or 30% chance of showers. So we hopefully it won't be any, anything too significant in terms of precipitation. And uh, some changeable positions always sent to shake things up. Oh, shit, that's number 11 cars, a big accident. That's oh, Rick no. Breukers, who's turning some super fast laps a little while ago, his fastest laps the weekend, but that's heavy contact with the tyre barrier. The car spun off the road and heavily into the tires back end first. I'm not sure where that was
3: actually. That's the, it's, it's think it's, it's Big Bend, isn't it? Turn six, yes it is. He's another one He's just gone a little bit wide coming out of five, hit the curb oh, on driver's right. And then back end into the tyres. That's not going to polish out, that one. Mm. A very, that's about the third or the fourth car, uh, IMSA car, and, and, and we've seen a couple of WEC cars do the same, both prototypes and GT cars coming out of Turn 5, that long, looping left-hander, uh, and at various stages of that corner. And further down the track at Turn 7, the bright yellow number 85, Misha Goikberg, going to take the old circuit and a history there well never in the world but Rick Breukes has got that green Lamborghini going yeah that the, was curious because it? it was a
4: long way it was completely out of the corner uh, that, he, that he lost we've seen various cars spin there in turn 5 but not not to go off the road on the right hand side of the racetrack because we see a replay again of okay so number 85 car of Michel Gorbier he was just taking, taking a senior to get out of the way there having spun the car under braking for the hairpin at turn 7 but that incident for Breukes as I say, we've seen several other cars generally lose it under braking going into the turn or, or perhaps running uh, onto the dirt on the exit And then as they get the power on the cars goes around. But that was right at the exit of the corner. Uh, the car spun around under uh, acceleration and into the tyre barriers. And the rear wing is just, br- well, one of the mounting points is broken. So he's going to have to slow that car down a bit. You don't, do, uh, you don't want s- rear wings flying around uninhibited. But uh, yeah, that was kind of an odd one. But I will tell you what, Rick Brokers, the the, uh, the youngster from uh, Holland, turn turning some really really good laps uh, shortly before this incident. He was down in the two minutes bracket, two minutes point. I think I think I think I saw a two minutes point six, which is a pretty impressive lap by Brokers. At the top, six cars in GTD. At the moment covered by three just over three tenths of a second that's an Acura a couple of Lamborghinis a Porsche and a b or three Lamborghinis actually and a Porsche and a BMW the brokers continuing to bring that car back He's certainly doing a good job of staying right off the racing line but uh, those wheels are not pointing in the right direction I think probably the uh yeah probably the left rear Wheel is is uh left rear corner. Suspension is probably tweaked to some no, no, it's the right, yeah, yeah. That, that right rear is wobbling around uh, rather ominously. So there's gonna be some damage there. And that's not good for the Daytona winning car. One Daytona Rolex 24 at Daytona for the last two years in a row as Grassa racing team, GRT Grasser racing team from Austria. And with qualifying only less than 50 minutes away it's going to be a pretty
3: tall foot order for that team to get that car back out again in time for qualifying first time at this track for rick broikers very good driver spoke to his dad evo broikers this morning he just got in Um, i think that's fixable and Jamie's just told me a golf cart full of personnel have headed straight back to the paddock area to start pulling the bits out uh,
4: definitely fixable the question is whether they can do How it in quickly? 50 minutes and, and, yeah. and whether the car has been you know there's any tweaks to, to the suspension mountings or anything uh, Rick Brook has got a remarkable record in the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship by the way two starts both at the Rolex 24 at Daytona two victories two Rolex watches not bad huh
6: not bad at all Jeremy Rick Breukers is a man who's won the 24 Hours of Daytona and Ryan Hardwick is a man who's looking to win the 12 Hours of Sebring. Now, you have a singleton opinion of this track because in a former life, professional jet ski racer, which is bumpier, Sebring or a four-foot chop on a Sea-Doo?
10: man I, I i think i would have to say sebring after after being here it's it's honestly it's very very similar to like really chop on, on the ocean uh or even like a motocross bike uh, quite honestly the exit of turn one is is so bumpy the, the car actually reacts mo- more like a motocross bike so uh, it's uh it's definitely challenging but it's a lot of fun it makes it unique you know
6: it's helpful at least that the bumps don't move like the waves do
10: yeah, the the good thing about Sebring and car racing, the bumps are in the exact same place every lap around. On the jet ski, the waves are all, all the ways different. So uh, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I'm enjoying the track. The, these guys, uh, my Paul Miller team, man, they have this car set up very good i mean it's for for it being my first year uh, uh there's no way i would be up to this pace without without these guys in this car so i'm excited for the race
6: it's the evo version of the lamborghini so it's not the exact same information as last year but how much of what the 2018 winning car data you have can you apply to this one from, you know,
10: from what they tell me, not a whole lot. We basically had to start completely over with this car because the aero is so much different in a good way. It's, uh, uh, so they, they took some of what they learned, but because of the aero, the handling, the suspension, everything is completely different. So they've just, they're just they very, very fast learners here is what I found out, and uh, they take the feedback especially from Brian. I mean, Brian gives such great feedback, and they're able to apply it really quickly. So I, I think we have a strong car and a really good shot
6: good luck this weekend there's a lot of people wearing paul miller racing t-shirts to cheer you guys on no,
3: thank you thank you very much i like that it's it's worse than four foot chop very good uh rick breakers has got back to the pit lane so the guys at grt Grasset racing team will be getting to work on that lamborghini sound and vision coverage of that qualifying session coming up and of course it is the GTD cars that go first so he's got 14 minutes of this session and about half an hour between to get that car out for the quality session live from trackside, 109 FM around the circuit XM Sirius for IMSA again this year for all of the races so if you, you've got friends who are travelling around and you can tune in via that as well uh, on the track, Simon Pagino is behind the wheel of the quickest car this morning. The AccuRate team Penske DPI going down the Ullman straight now. The back straight here, Alexander Rossi uh, has just pitted the second car, which is the team car, the number 7.033 of a second, Jeremy, between the AccuRate team Penske DPI's. Uh, no favourites there, no A and B car, no 1 and 2. <laughs> That's a pretty well-prepared couple of cars, exactly what you'd expect from P- Penske. Yeah, no
4: question about that, and uh, certainly that's a good run. I'm sure that was a, a qualifying simulation run they did uh, right at the beginning of this session. Now concentrating more on race pace and, and getting ready for tomorrow's Mobile 112. 12 Hours has been presented by Advanced Auto Parts. So you know, the, the, that, that, that team always comes to a racetrack with a, with a firm plan of how to execute, what to do at, at each, in each session, how to go about things, what order the drivers are going to drive in, and uh, it's a very, very well-oiled machine and I think they're looking in pretty good shape for the race. Number 63 car, is he up to speed? i not sure who's driving that car at the moment. Number 63, the, the Ferrari hasn't been particularly outstanding, the, so it's Cooper McNeil the wheel of that car at the moment, apparently, and he is, that car is down in the 12th position in GTD, only one Ferrari in GTD this uh, this season or this year at, certainly mm. at Sebring. Uh, that was a car that was on the pole here one year ago. Daniel Serra set the time in a Ferrari 488 GT3 at 158.7, and uh, we haven't got within about 1.2 seconds of that at all so far this weekend, which is interesting to me. I asked whether asked the technical team whether there had been a uh, a Sort of firm decision to try and sort of slow down the GTD cars in any way. No, no, was the answer to that one. So, I think it's just a question of function of, of how the the, the the cars work on, on the different tyres that we used last year, of course. Uh, but uh, certainly, yeah, no one is complaining about the pace, and, uh, and there certainly seems to be good equality up and down the GTD field.
3: Well, and, and that's been a feature, hasn't it, Absolutely. of the GTD Turner Field. GT3, the formula to which they run, is a global balance of performance formula. Uh, And IMSA have embraced that, having brought it into the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. The amount of data that is being collected here is extraordinary. In fact, there's a little change in the data collection regulations uh, in terms of uh, what's been going on. The the data collection sticks get uh, full up in one of the sprint races. Uh, The sampling rate that they use gives them very, very good data collection and depth of data collection. Now, to get a 12-hour race onto the same stick, you'd have to cut down how you were measuring and the, uh, the frequency in which, which you were measuring some of the key data. IMSA decided they didn't like that, so in the supplementary regulations to the Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring here this weekend, there is a window to swap your data disk or data stick and then you have to hand it in within half an hour of having done that, having let the guys to do it. In fact, there are two different points during the race. So a little bit more work for the team. So if, you, if we see people on Saturday reaching in and doing a swap of a of a stick, they're not reprogramming the jukebox in the car for the drivers, they're actually taking out data. And the reason for that is that, IMSA decided they didn't want to cut down the sampling rate. They didn't want to cut down the frequency with which they were measuring some of this crucial data. Uh, It's all crunched between events, by the way. This is not for in-race BOP or anything like that. Certain crucial things like uh, boost pressures and things like that, they're monitored in real time. But this is so that the very clever people at IMSA technical can take away something, I think it was 200 meg they said of data after this race and sit down. And if they are going to do any BOP changes, it has to be announced seven days minimum before the next event. So it's not sprung on anybody. And it means that immediately you get to the event. In fact, before you get to the event, for the most part, you know where you're going to be. And just to, again, Jeremy, what we've said for a long time, these uh, IMSA guys, but you'll pay off the dirty word, but, you know, you can embrace it. And, and the IMSA guys have embraced it. And they've said, look, if we're going to do this, if this is the formula, and it is, and we know we can make it work, let's give ourselves the best chance and get the best, most comprehensive data that we can get. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then
4: they, they, they share that data. I mean, the the, the the manufacturers in particular are always lobbying for their cars you know, to, get, to get more of this, more horsepower or, or less weight or... or more rake or more downforce for whatever it is. And Acura in particular, uh, I talked about a little while ago, they've got 3% less horsepower in overall terms than they had here at Sebring one year ago. And they uh, lobbied fairly strongly for a uh, a tweak to the turbo boost availability for that uh, Honda coming into this weekend, for the Acuras coming into this weekend. And there was a five-hour meeting uh, at IMSA headquarters, with uh, at which the uh, Acura and H P D had a, a full representation, big pa- present, you know, PowerPoint presentations both from him, to explain why they were doing what they were doing uh, and H P D t- what they wanted, uh, and so you know nothing is taken lightly, um, and uh, all the decisions are made with, uh, as you say, a lot of data to back it up. It's really impressive. Two acrobats this morning have been impressive as well, Jeremy. Yeah, fastest times of the week so far: uh, 146.643 for Dane Cameron, 146.676 for Elio castro Castroneves. So just 33 uh, thousandths of a second separating those two, and we've now got uh, what f- six cars covered by just over half a second. An improvement there for Tristan Nunez that's his best lap of the week so far one for 46.952 in car number 77 up into fourth place for the floridian the youngster just ahead of his teammate jonathan bomarito at a 47.0 so that makes it six cars covered now by just over half a second two acuras two mazdas and two cadillacs
3: yes the norzac indeed
4: not quite. Not in that quite. Order, no, because uh,
3: it's it's Acura, Acura, Cadillac, yeah. Mazda, Mazda, and then
1: Cadillac. So
4: pretty close. And then a Nissan and Roma Dumas not turned any startlingly quick times this morning, but uh, yesterday the car was uh, right up there in the pace. A, a very brief chat with uh, Jeff Brown, the technical director at
3: Core Sports Team. there's a Cadillac off the road Stephen again? Stephen Simpson uh, that time. They're spread in the uh, sp- in the eighty-four. So that's both of the JDC motorsports cars that have been off the two yellow Cadillacs, the 84 doesn't have the purple stripe on the top of the fin and on the windscreen banner Uh, and a spin for a Corvette and it's the number four of Tommy Milner and that car may have lost its engine, that's down at turn 10 as well no he's got power, just come out of the pits I think uh, has he, that's his outlap is he well that yeah, might explain, so. he's got a bit of grass and dirt in the front grille of that C7R fires it up yes it was indeed a turn 10 a young Cadillac in behind but wasn't a part of it and that's, that's just a run on from Tommy, uh, tried to get it turned round and that's where the problems began, I think he didn't want to get too far onto the um, green stuff. The, the green stuff, yes. Very dry, the green stuff here. Very dusty. Tommy's got back on again.
4: good up also there from uh, Matthew Vazievier in car number ten, the Konica Minolta Cadillac, at one forty-eight point two. That's one point six seconds off the ultimate pace for the young Frenchman making his debut in the Interwetex Sports Car Championship this weekend. Fair amount of experience in sports car racing, certainly in general, in LMP two cars in the World Endurance Championship. He's another of the drivers. Well, actually, all three drivers in that number ten car are doing double. Oh, no, two of them. Two of them: Renger van der Zende and Versivier. Uh, both doing double duty this weekend. Jordan Taylor is not, is he? You know, he's just concentrating on the number 10 car. But uh, Vassivier, 24 years of old, from Limoges in France. a former winner of the French Formula 4 Championship. He won it in 2011. I'm pretty sure the 2010 champion was Stoffel van Dorn, of course, was mm-hmm. driving Formula 1 last season. And uh, is one of the most highly rated drivers around, or has been up until... Got annihilated last year by a certain Fernando Alonso, but certainly Not he, unique that, is, is My point there is mm-hmm. that the French F4 Championship turns up some really, really good drivers.
3: Well, it, it's it's sort of taken the place uh, in recent years, Jeremy, and, and you and I uh, have uh, long enough memories to remember the old Winfield Racing yeah. School, uh, and that was a production line of yeah. of French racing drivers. And the French... French Elf Elf
4: used to sponsor that uh, school and a a very impressive driver development program they had there back through the 70s. The
3: the French, the FFSA, the French Motorsport Association, has really embraced Formula 4 in the last few years and and made it one of their development series. And it has attracted the great and the good of French motor racing. And it, it seems to have been sort of put together very well and the experience that's been gained from there stood these drivers in very good stead indeed to go forward into a variety of different championships around the world. And the FFSA in France have been very, very active in, for example, getting a French Grand Prix back because for a while they didn't have one. And in fact, there's a man here this weekend who was instrumental in that and that is the chief executive of LMEM, the people who run the FIA World Endurance Championship on behalf of the FIA and the ACO, and that's Gerard Navot. He was tasked by the French Motorsport Authority with putting together a plan to get a French Grand Prix back. Gerard used to run the circuit at uh, Paul Ricard, at Le Castellet, and he has been successful in getting the reinstatement of the French Grand Prix at Le Castellet and notwithstanding the infrastructure problems are getting in and out it's fantastic to have the French Grand Prix back and I think it's absolutely right that with a, uh, a country that has such a rich history of motorsport and indeed the first ever Grand Prix of course was at Le Mans it all comes back to Le Mans it's good to see them back on the Grand Prix calendar and particularly given the sort of investment and commitment the french motorsport authority has made to motorsport and bringing through the young talent that we've just been talking about and i've got a feeling you're going to see a few more of those guys coming through as well in the next two to five years yeah. to patricio, Lattic-
4: patricio ward who won last year's indy nights championship made such a stunning debut in the indy cars at sonoma last season his first uh, car racing experience was in the French F4 Championship. Didn't do the full season.
3: Well, I mean, you, uh, you're a, a massive exponent of of ladder systems, and mm. it, every time you look at one of these championships or a developmental series that's part of a ladder system and gives people relevant experience, you start to go, "Oh, and he was in that. And he was yeah. in that. Oh, and he was in that. And he was the first year champion, was he? Wow. Thirty six seconds to go in this. Rather longer than usual fourth practice session for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. But effectively, this is the last run. No, actually, this is the last run before we get competitive for the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. So these cars will be dusted down, a bit more fuel put in, and then we go qualifying in just around about 40 minutes time.
4: Yeah, half, half an, an hour. hour's time, yeah. yeah. Uh, Trent Hinman just jumped up to third place in GTD in the second of the Meyer. Shank Racing Accurate NSX GT3 cars to count number 86 at two minutes, point 319. So we've now got uh, seven cars with just over three-tenths of a second.
3: Check it, flag is out, spot-on time at 25 past. No major changes last time around, he says. And then Kyle Masson has just gone a little bit quicker in the 38, Oric uh, in second place in the class of 152.8. Let me give you the rundown here. Uh, Acura Acura, the two Acura team Penske cars, six from seven. Then the Cadillac number five, Brendan Hartley finishing the session for the Mustang sampling car. Mazda TPI just uh, in fourth and fifth position for the 77 and 55. The rest of the top ten, Cadillac 31, Cadillac 85 and 84, the two yellow JDC motorsport cars. Nissan number 54, the Flexbox sponsored Autosport car and Cadillac number 10, the Gloss Black Konica Minolta racing team uh, in 10th position. GTLM, Porsche 911, Ford Ford, 66, uh, 67 and 66, BMW Corvette 4, Corvette 3, the top 6 and in GTD the Caterpillar sponsored Acura NSX, the 57 car, Catherine Legs time, 2 minutes, point zero one two, standing up through that session ahead of the 11 Lamborghini with Rick Breukers having put that car on the wall. And some remedial work needed there. And the Acura NSX number 86. Trent Hinman last at the wheel of that car. Your top three. Thanks to Jamie And to share down in the pit lane. Jeremy Shaw alongside me, John Heindorf. In the IMSA broadcast booth. We're back with qualifying on RS2. As we'll set the four pole positions for the 67th running of the Mobile One. 12 Hours of Sebring presented by Advanced Auto Parks. Stay tuned. Half an hour from now, it all gets even more exciting.
0: This programme is a production of IMSA and Radio Show Limited. For more, visit Radiolamont.com.